Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. start 2nd Corinthians. So there's a there's quite a break there, almost a month. Yeah, about a month. Um, and so, like, June 20th, uh, we're going to have a picnic. Um, so if you haven't been involved in Bible study, maybe that's a good night to be involved in Bible study. Um, come and eat something, some, some snackies. We'll be talking about that at Bible study this week. It'll be a portion of the Bible study is studying when can we eat, <laughs> or what can we eat. Um, and then... Uh, we have uh, our fireworks tent coming up. Everybody's excited about fireworks, right? Everybody's like, oh, I love fireworks. Woo, I can't wait to have fireworks. And we have a fireworks tent that we do out at Walmart. Um, super fun. Uh, so uh, it, the tent gets set up Saturday. And so I'm going to go out Saturday and do just a tiny bit of decorating um, that I have to do. Um, and then uh, the actual decorating we'll do on 19th when the fireworks arrive and uh, there is one two weeks in here well there's actually three where we will not be here at the church for Bible study one of those is the 4th of July um, but I want to tell you a story about running the fireworks tent me and my wife have run a lot of fireworks tents um, this one here for this is our third year running it or fourth year running it something like that I can't remember but then in Moorhead, we ran one for a few years, and then we took a break. We were like, oh, let's take a break. Let's not do the fireworks tent. It's not that great. In Moorhead, it wasn't that great. In DL, it's great. <laughs> um, we, we do in sales one day what the entire tent did the entire week in Moorhead. Um, so it's a pretty good tent. Well, anyways, um, we were in Moorhead, and so we took a year off. And I got a phone call from the area manager, and he was like, hey, can you, um, can you help? Would you be willing to help this guy that's taking the tent this year? Um, he was wondering if there was anyone who could, could help him. And I was like, sure, maybe we could work something out. So we worked out a deal with him. And we were like, we'll take this percentage of the money that comes in. We'll help you with everything. We'll provide you with the generator because we had everything. And uh, the guy was like, 
okay, yeah, that sounds great. Well, anyways, my wife was like, I got a bad vibe about this guy while she's out there working with him, you know, just her and this other guy for, you know, a few hours while I was at work and things like that. And anyways, a year later, lo and behold, I'm listening to the radio and the guy that had been working the tent was convicted of murder. <laughs> no joke. So please, y'all, sign up. Don't make us work with a murderer again. <laughs> uh, funny story. So just to, you know, twist your arm a little bit. Sign up. We don't want to work with murderers. I don't think any of you are murderers. If you were, it's okay. God can forgive you, but you may still have to, you may still have to pay the consequences. He got 24 years. <laughs> Uh, so come, so come hang out. And if my wife says she's got weird vibes, listen to her. Because I was like giving the guy the benefit of the doubt. I was like, oh no, like he's a nice guy and everything. And <sighs> so that's my plea for help. <laughs> my wife would appreciate it. <laughs> uh, and so there's a sign-up sheet out there with like different shifts and things like that. So you can sign up uh, for when and whatever uh, you'd like to work. Um, and if you want to stay out there one night, you can even volunteer for that. Um, but uh, we have our camper out there, so no, no need. I, I feel pretty good. I'm going to be camping for the next few weeks <laughs> uh, in the Walmart parking lot. <sighs> Last year, my camper broke. My, my pipes, the entire thing was just all the pipes leaking, spraying water everywhere. So while I was in the Walmart parking lot, I replaced the majority. I should have just done them all. If I would have known that it went from the water heater all the way up, I would have probably just replaced them all. But I didn't know that, and I just kept replacing these sections of pipe. So when you go to replace the pipe in your camper, your 1998 camper with these brittle pieces of pipes, everything just keeps breaking <coughs> longer and longer. But anyways, thankfully, it was next to uh, Menards, and I uh, kept going to Menards probably 15 or 20 times that day. It was a nightmare on, like, the busiest day. Why did I start this project? I couldn't stop until it was done. Anyways, that's my plea for help. My, fire, my, my, my camper's pipes are not broken this year, so it's all good. <laughs> Let's get started. <laughs> all right, so we've been in, this is week two of Tools of the Trade. If you want the sermon notes for today, you can go to myhope.life forward slash sermons, and you can get the notes off of the website, and uh, you can, and they'll import into your YouVersion Bible app. If you have that, if you don't have it, you can see me afterwards. I can help you find the YouVersion Bible app. But if you would like the notes, you can get them there. Um, so last week, I said there's three things that we need to understand before we begin to wield all the tools that we can have as Christians. And one of those things I listed was that we must understand ourselves. And I feel like a lot of times we underestimate ourselves. We beat up ourselves. We tear down ourselves. We do all of the bad things about ourselves, and we don't really understand who we are or who that God thinks we are. And so the other two things that we will be looking at through the series were what do the tools do and their purpose and how to put them on and use. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 6, and we're going to be talking about the armor of God. Not today yet, because before you pick up the armor, you should understand yourself and what you are according to God's word. So Ephesians 6, 19 through 20, it says, pray also for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel 
For this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. So why do we need to understand ourselves? One thing you can take from the scripture is Paul is saying, pray for me that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. But he recognizes something, that he is an ambassador in chains. A lot of us are ambassadors in chains. We're ambassadors that are spiritually bound rather than physically bound. Paul was physically bound, but he was saying, pray for me that I might be bold enough to speak as it is I should. Paul had a physical reminder that he was bound. Some of you have physical reminders in your life, on your bodies, in your mind, that holds you back from being bold as a Christian. It may be your past. It may be some of the things that you've been through. But anyways, here we are today. And I forgot to put the scripture up there, but that's okay. Let's look at our next scripture. It's Romans chapter 6, and it's verse 12 through 14. And it says, Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so that you obey its desires. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness. For as those who are alive from the dead offer yourselves to God and all the other parts of it, yourselves to God, uh, offer, sorry, and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. We're to offer ourselves as a weapon for righteousness. That is one thing that you should remember that you are a weapon for righteousness according to God. So you have purpose. God did not bring you out of sin to leave you struggling. So for sin will not rule over you because you are not under the law, but under grace. So you are a weapon. You are a weapon for righteousness. Or if sin reigns, you are a weapon of unrighteousness. That's like really hard to swallow, I think. Sometimes it's really difficult to think about that. What do you mean? I'm either a weapon for righteousness or I'm a weapon of unrighteousness. What do I want to be in God's army? Because if I'm a weapon of unrighteousness, I am not in God's army. I am not part of God. But if I am a weapon for righteousness, then God is using me for a purpose. So Paul understood not only his physical but spiritual limitations. Verse 19, he addresses the spiritual limitations and asks for prayer that he may open his mouth with boldness about the gospel. Have you ever prayed the prayer, let me open my mouth with boldness about the gospel? I think a lot of times we, we, we are afraid to share the gospel of well, someone might be offended by the gospel. Someone might be upset with me if I share the gospel. I'm not smart enough to share the gospel. I don't know what the gospel is. Well, the gospel, the word gospel just means good news. You got the best news to talk about coming right here from the word of God. If Think about it. In a world that is surrounded with such bad news, with all the things going on in the world, it's full of all this bad news. Wouldn't you rather present the good news to people? I would. I would much rather post a scripture on my wall than something that is divisive and tries to divide. I'd rather say, hey, we can repent and turn away, and God helps us with our lives. Verse 20, he addresses his physical limitations. Paul states, for being bold about the gospel, I am now an ambassador in change. Remember, he was bold about the gospel, and now he's an ambassador in change. Sometimes 
See, this is, this is the hard part for question. This is the hard pill today. Just because you are bold and share the gospel does not mean you won't be in chains. You can struggle with things in your life. I struggle with things in my life. And I'm sometimes bold and share the gospel. I try to every week to share the good news that, that, that Jesus Christ rose again, that, that you don't have to live in the life that you've been living, that you can be changed by the blood of Jesus. So do you know the chains that are binding you? Paul had physical chains that was on him, and he could look at them and remind, remember the chains that were binding him and why they were there. They were on him because of his boldness for the gospel. The enemy will attack you, will try and destroy you, will try and bring you down and put you in chains and bring you back to the place where you started because if he knows that he can keep you oppressed, then you're not going to be bold about the gospel because you're going to look at the chains, the spiritual chains that bind you. And what we really need is to throw off the chains and remember that we are on the victor's side, that Jesus is all-powerful, that Jesus has got this. And so I want you to be encouraged today to know that you don't have to continue to live in the chains that you have been bound by. You can take steps forward. And every time Satan reminds you, you can remind him of where he's going. There's a promise for him in Revelations that says he would be chained up for a thousand years in the lake of fire. Like, I think about that. I'll be like, hey, bud, let me remind you of your promise while you're trying to remember me from my past. That's underneath the blood. But what you're doing, that's in your future. See, it's, 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 it's part, it's, it's flipping the switch in your brain to say that I am not defeated, that I have a powerful God. Are you going to go through things? Yes. To tell you you won't would be a lie. Paul was going through things. He was in a physical jail cell. Nobody really wants to be in a physical jail cell, right? Nobody wants to be physically bound by chains. But when you start to make progress, you are going to be reminded over and over again of your past, and how you are unworthy brings me to this next point. This isn't a tool of the trade. But who, who looked in a mirror this morning when you were getting ready? Was there anyone who didn't look in a mirror? I want to see what you look like today. Joe, you don't count, okay? You don't count back there. Like, I saw you take off your helmet and your hair was still the same. <laughs> don't count. <laughs> don't work that way. <laughs> Oh, man, I, I see my hair. It's starting to get bald when I look in a mirror. Or when I look in the camera and I can see, like, it's thinning out up there. I'm like, oh, Lord, how do I keep that? I'm fighting on. Like, I'm fighting the good fight, trying to hold on to everything I've got up there. What shampoo can I put in my hair? What can I do to save that little bit of hair that is, that is left up there? And I know that there are some that have less hair than me. But, you know, I'm fighting the good fight and keeping my hair. And I have to look in a mirror sometimes. I got this vanity stuff one time. It's really cool. You spritz it in your hair, and it, it's fibers that attach to your hair. And, it, and, and you can't even see it anymore. I tell you what, like, I had thick hair. There's a video out there somewhere of us doing it. The company was like, this is so, like, thank you for your reaction. They, they put, yeah, they sponsored me for, I got some free stuff from them one time. Like, <laughs> it's pretty cool. This is not sponsored. <laughs> uh, Sorry, this sermon's sponsored by bromate. <laughs> kidding, kidding, it's not. 
I don't ever use it anymore, you know, like, I was just like, ah, you know what, it's going to go. <laughs> I'm going to fight as much as I can, but I'm not going to use any of that. Anyways, most of us looked at a mirror, right? Most of us, except for Joe and a few others, we looked at a mirror to help us get ready. And every time I look at the mirror, I have this thing I do. I look into the mirror, and I look at myself, and I look at the wrinkles on my face. I, I look at, like, the zits, you know? I, like, I look at all the imperfections. How many of you look at yourself and be like, Joe, you look in the mirror and be like, oh, man, I look so good today. No, no. <laughs> Rare that I look in the mirror and be like, man, I am looking good. And when you go to the gym, so I... <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is funny, but like they put mirrors in the gym. It's so that you can see yourself when you're working out. Make sure you're doing a good job. And you know what? Like, I don't know. It just does something for you if those mirrors are tilted the right angle. Because it matters the angle you look at yourself on this thing. You'll either look short and stubby or you'll look nice and thin. You'll be like, oh, man, I look good. I didn't know I looked that good. Well, I went to the, I went to the gym the other day. If you ever saw my video about uh, <laughs> uh, working out, you know, relating it to church, and I went to Snap Fitness and we re recorded that video. Well, I went to Snap Fitness the other day, and I, I go to the DLCC sometimes and work out, and, and now I just went to, the, to Snap Fitness, and I walk in there, and I was looking in the mirror. I was like, man, I like these mirrors better. They're nicer. I look a lot better in these mirrors. It made me want to work out there instead of the DLCC because their mirrors are just a little bit different angle. I don't look as fast. <laughs> you see, when I look at the mirror, I pick apart all of the things. I look at the mirror and I'm like, oh, gosh, you've gotten old over these past few years. I've added a few wrinkles. But really, like whenever it's like, you know, late at night and you get up to go to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night, and you look in the mirror, and you're like, what are you like? <laughs> you start to question things. Like, I don't know why, but I end up with this self-reflection all the time. When I look in the mirror, I'm just like, God, the life you've lived, the things these eyes have seen. I'm not even joking. Those are literal thoughts that I've had, and I start thinking about my past. And I, I don't know, the mirror reminds me of all of the bad things that I've done in my life, all of the terrible things that have happened when you look in the mirror, you see everything you know about yourself. Now, when I look at you, I don't see that. I look at Millie, and I bet you when Millie looks in the mirror, she's got all of these things that, she go, that go through her mind. But you know what? I see someone who's brave. I see someone who gets up and sings. Is she a little timid sometimes? Yeah, but boy, I see God working in her life. I see great things. Amen. But I bet you when she gets in the mirror, that's probably not the first things that go through her mind. When you look at me, I hear people like, oh, man, that sermon was so good. Oh, thank you for that. It means a lot to me, but you know what? I rip everything apart. Boy, I tell you what, I am my own worst critic. I love to tear myself down. And sometimes this is what happens to us is we get stuck in what we say about ourselves and what we know about ourselves. And it's not about what God has said about us. It's not what God knows about us. It's what we know and what I know is not great. I'm not a great person. I'm not, I, I, yeah, I can have fun and all these things, but I know the things that I've done and the things that I've lived in, and, and, and I don't love that person, but I love who God is making me to be. And so I try to not get caught up in the reflection that I see, 
but rather the reflection that God sees in me, what he knows, the value that he has put inside me, the value he saw when he hung on Calvary for me, the value that he saw. I think about that, I'll be like, well, if he saw value in me, I have to start believing that there is some type of value in my life. I hope somebody needed that today. When you go home and look in the mirror today, remind yourself that you are valued. The mirror is enough to drive me crazy. And there are some times, there's times in my past where I feel like I have gotten locked into looking in that mirror. And I am staring at an entirely different person. Like, it's weird. I don't know what it is about looking in a mirror. Weird. I don't know what it is. Like, it just, like, does something to my brain. So I ask you this. Are you a prisoner of your own chain? Let's not give the devil all the credit because he would love all the credit, like as if he did everything. But we know that he is finite, that he does not have the same power. He does not have, he only has a limited power that God has given him. So let's remind ourselves that he is not all powerful, that he is not all knowing. Let's not give him the credit and let's put some of ourselves where we should be and take some of that blame. When I look at myself in the mirror, the things that I remember are the things that I chose to do. Now, what does the enemy use? You're not good enough. And so when you look in the mirror, you're like, wow, I am such a loser. And I tear myself down. Oh, my gosh, I am so dumb. How many of you have ever said that? Maybe you don't look in the mirror when you say it, but maybe you're just like walking down the street and you're like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I, start, I tell myself these things all the time, and we beat ourselves up, and it's almost as if the enemy comes in, and he starts to use the thoughts that you have to wage war against you. The things that you've done, the past that you have, he does not know the future. He doesn't know what you will do, but he's a dumb enemy that will come in, and he will mess with you and try and sell you the idea that you are right about yourself. I don't want to be right about myself. I want God to be right about me. Because if I'm right about myself, I'm a failure destined for hell. But if God's right about me, then I have the ability to tread over Satan, that I have the ability to put him under my feet. And that's a much better position than him having authority over me. So he knows what you've been through. He knows those things. I, I, I was like, I would, like in my brain, I'm like, the devil's probably got like this book, Zach's book, you know? Like, I'm going to write this down about him. You know, he's like got these little reports coming in. Zach did this. Okay. So whenever it happens again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slip that thought into his brain about the time he said this to someone or did this to someone. And so I'm waging a war that's being fought against me. You are, being, you are waging a war. And so it is very important that you understand who you are, who you think you are, but more importantly, who God says you are. You are a weapon of righteousness. You are a weapon of righteousness. You 
can tread over the enemy. It says that you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. I need the Spirit of God in my life so that I can have power to overcome those thoughts, so that I can have power to move forward. If I don't take a deep look at myself, then the enemy is going to come in and trip me up because he knows me better than I know myself sometimes. But I want to remind myself that God is good, that God cares about me. So what is one of the things that God says about us? In Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, he says, For he chose us in him before the foundations of the world to be a holy and blameless in love, <coughs> in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace that he lavished on us in the beloved one. Okay. What does that mean? He looked at you before you knew you and chose you. He looked at you before you knew you and said, I love you. He looked at you before you knew you and said, I want to adopt you. He looked at you before you knew you and he chose you because he found value in you. Just think about it for a moment. He sees value in you. What is that value that he sees? Because I see messed up. But God says, I see, I don't know. What does God say about you? You're worth the love that he has for you. Stop telling yourself that you're unworthy of his love and grace. Yes, you can argue that it's true, but I believe that he found value in me, that I can be victorious. Christians are not supposed to be defeated. We are to be victorious. Let's look at this next scripture. It says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. But thanks be to God. I am victorious. Thanks be to God because I have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that I have victory. You see, you have been put on a path to victory. When you signed up for this, when you took on the name of Jesus Christ, then, then you signed up to be on the path for victory. And on the path of victory, you're going to have battles. You're going to have moments where you're in chains, where you remember your past. But more and more, you've got to be reminded, thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I am not stuck in this place. I have victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. Does somebody in this place have victory today? Maybe you're struggling. Maybe you're having a hard time, but I want to tell you that there is victory in the house today that you don't have to leave the same as you walked in. So let's get into tools of the trade. All that was free. <laughs> Now I'm going to start my sermon. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. It was all part of it. So I've planted seven trees. Two have died. And uh, in that planting process, I learned a few things. One, apparently they graft trees. I didn't know that. So the first few times I dug a big hole deep and I planted that tree in there. But there is a little knob on there. Apparently you're not supposed to plant that underneath the ground where the graft was. <coughs> and I learned this from the guy who sells trees. I didn't question it. Matter of fact, I didn't even Google it to make sure that he was correct. 
I just believed him because, like, it's not like he wants my trees to fail. He told me if they don't bud to come back and see him, he'll give me a new tree. And I was like, okay, deal. I'm going to do what you told me to do. I'm going to plant it. They budded. I'm like, man, this guy knows what he's talking about. I think it's okay. I don't need to Google it. I didn't fact check it, so you can certainly feel free to fact check. Don't plant the, don't bury the graft, okay? But um, <laughs> I would encourage you to do so. But he was like, do this and do this. And he's like, put this fertilizer in there and, and, and do this. And, you know, like, you know, only dig it this big. And I was like, wow, you really helped me. The first time, I just did what I thought I was supposed to do. I just followed, you know, like they said, dig a big hole that is bigger than the roots. It didn't define how much bigger it is. Double the size, three times the size. I'm gonna make sure I'm gonna plant this. Does the deeper the roots are, the better it is, right? No, not no. Apparently not, because I killed two trees. Well, one of them, one of them, I'm gonna like, I'm gonna give myself a pass on because we planted a peach tree. It's a zone four peach tree, and we are like zone three A and three B or something like that, which means we're like on the edge. Like they had to put an alphabet in there with it. We're on the edge, so we're kind of zone four, and we're also kind of zone three. Some years you're zone four in the planting season, and sometimes you're zone three. Well, I planted a zone four peach tree, and it died. I want to do it again. I want to try. I want to, I want to try again. I think it was just not developed enough, but whatever. Anyways, if you plant a peach tree, no, it could die your first year. So I want to give myself a pass on this one, but the other apple tree that I planted, I, my wife actually planted that one. I'm going to blame her. So actually, I've planted seven trees. I've planted five trees. All of them lived. The one, or except the one, but we're giving myself a pass. <laughs> and the one my wife planted died. <laughs> but in that planting, I had to use a shovel. And you know what? In our lives, to make something live, you're going to have to dig up the dirt. You know what? The, the, the guy at the tree, he, the tree store, he's like, is your, is your ground clay? Or is it... Is it uh, is it like black dirt? And I was like, well, I think I got some clay in there. I don't like underneath the black dirt. I've, I've got to it before. When I was putting it in my fence, I got to some clay and some big rocks. And all those things. He's like, well, clay doesn't have life in it. Like it's, and I was like, what? He's like, yeah, the black stuff is like the organic matter that's dying and decaying. And I'm like, whoa. I just learned so much in this like 10-minute conversation with this guy. Super knowledgeable. Would recommend. Also not sponsored by the place. <laughs> so in our lives, sometimes we're going to have to remove some soil so that what's good can be planted. The hardest part sometimes is the digging. Like when you come to church and like the preacher's like digging into your past and you're like, hey, knock it off. <laughs> Stop telling my secrets. I'm not telling your secrets. <laughs> I don't even know them. <laughs> But sometimes it, you know, it gets in there and, and, and you read the word of God and it convicts you. You know what conviction is? It's when you like feel like bad for the things. Like, oh my God, that just hit home. It's removing some things so that something good can be planted. Think about this, a seed. When you go to plant that seed, most of the time you don't just throw it on top of the ground, do you? You bury it. When the Bible says you have a grain, as you need, a, you need faith as a grain of a mustard seed. A mustard seed doesn't have value until it's planted, which means you're going to have to bury that faith so that it can produce what God has for you. So, you don't just take the tree out. 
and sit it on the ground and say, well, let's see what happens. Yet in many of our lives, we do that with our relationship with God. Rather than taking the seed that he's got for us and digging a hole, we just kind of like carelessly throw it into our life as if we're good. We don't actually put any effort into our relationship with God. We're not like, okay, God, remove some things in my life. We're like, I want to hold on to all the junk I've got. And I want to have a relationship with you. But I really like my stuff, God. I like the things I've been through. I, I like my thoughts. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I would like to change that. And so I need God to remove some of those things. But the removal of that dirt kind of hurts. It's painful. Now, the next thing you use, some of you, some of you probably use these, these trimmers. I have had to trim some of my branches. Now, I, I thought about bringing in all my trimmers because I got one of those electric trimmers, you know, that's like you can sh trim the shrubs. I've killed many trees with that. I don't know what I'm doing. I want to cut it back, and you know what I do? I kill it. But you know what I do after I kill it? I just leave it. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it after that. I'm like, maybe it'll grow back. I don't know. It's dormant. <laughs> Been dormant for five years. <laughs> Make good firewood at this point. Like, it has a purpose. <sighs> so I try not to use these much because I'm afraid I'm going to kill what I want to produce fruit. And so sometimes we try not to remove things from our life, people, places, things, because if I remove these things, like it's, oh, what if I kill it? Look, if you submit your life to Jesus, the master, he will take care of you. But it's going to take some digging and it's going to take <coughs> some pruning to get you to a place where you produce fruit in your life. If you have ever had an apple tree, Jen, you got an apple tree, right? You got two apple trees. Yeah, a lot of times you need two trees so they can pollinate each other. Who would have thought? You didn't plant those trees, though, right? They were there. Someone else planted those trees. You ever use a basket to put your apples in or, like, a tote or a bucket? Like, I see Jen, Jen will bring in, like, all of these apples, and my grandma is like, let's take all the apples. Grandma, we don't need any apples. And she's like, we need all the apples. I'm going to cut them up and freeze them. <laughs> they do. And now, you know what? Whenever she makes an apple pie, I'm glad she got some of those apples. <laughs> Stop fighting, Zach. She's going to make an apple pie. <laughs> but we have a basket, right? And we put those things in it. So if in your life as a Christian, you're going to eventually have a harvest, what does that harvest look like? I got some things I'm going to show you. If you plant an apple tree... Don't expect oranges. Don't expect peaches or plums. Expect that you will get an apple. I believe that we should have a, a basket because I believe that there will be a harvest in my life. I believe that there will be a harvest in your life. So what you've planted, though, will determine what you harvest. You've maybe heard this thing, good in gets good out. Bad in, you get bad out, right? It's pretty true. If you constantly are putting negativity and feeding that, that's eventually what you're going to produce. 
So you grab your basket and you go and harvest the things that you've planted. You will reap what you sow. And so hopefully your plan was to get some apples. And my apple trees aren't producing much yet. So Walmart produced me some apples. And I like Granny Smith apples. Because they're kind of sour. They last forever, apparently. And I'm going to open up this other one. When you pull it off that tree, that's what you get. Like, do you like apples, Sarah? Yeah. You'd probably eat an apple, right? Like, off that tree. I can't wait till the first day that I get an apple off my apple tree. Man, I'm going to feel so good. Last year, I had two little apples that fell off in the rabbit's got. Unfortunate. A little baby apple tree that I got. I was so happy. I was like, oh, look at that. It's producing two apples this year. I feel like it's going to produce more. Because I saw more, more blooms on there. But I guess if it didn't get fertilized, then you know what? I'm just not going to get anything. But eventually, one day, I'm going to be able to take this bucket and fill it up with apples from my apple tree. Or I'm going to go to Jen's house and steal her. <laughs> I don't have to steal them. They fall and they land on the ground. And things happen to them, right? <laughs> just clean up the rotten ones. That's where we're going. <laughs> Maybe... Your, your tree that you've been harvesting from really should just be cut down. Now, there's this story in the Bible where Jesus gets hangry. He looks at a fig tree. They're walking down the road, and he, gets, he looks at a fig tree. And he was like, oh, I'm going to give me a fig. And he gets there, and there's no figs on the fig tree. So you know what he does? He curses the tree. It withers up and dies. The next time they come by past it, they're like, oh, my word. The tree's dead. He talk, and, and the tree just needed to be cut down. It was, its life had run its Michael, sometimes they, sometimes they just end up stop producing. He was angry because it was supposed to be producing that looked like it should have fruit on it, but it didn't. And uh, sometimes the things that we've planted in our life are giving us fruit that, one, we don't want, or two, we're not producing anything. That's why if you want to have the harvest, you're going to have to submit to Jesus Christ. So, you have a harvest. So I want you to look at your neighbor and tell him, I have a harvest. Okay, now look at the neighbor that you actually like and tell them, I have a harvest and make it a little louder. <laughs> That's not fair, Zach. I looked at my wife the first time. <laughs> it's okay. She'll give you a pass this time. <laughs> so I expect God to do what he said he would do we've talked about what's planted and what it produces but what if what planted is good sorry what if what is planted is good but the conditions we put it in are not good so these sat out on my deck for about a week surprisingly enough they fared pretty well like this one just got a little bit of a red spot on it it's a little soft in that spot, but I think I would eat this anyways. I don't know. Maybe if you know the conditions it's been in, you'd be like, no, you mean your dog might have licked on it? But you don't. I mean, it's still good, right? Maybe if you wash it off, it's still good. I don't know. Now, this one right here is nice and soft. Jim, feel this. Feel this apple. Pretty soft, right? Oh, yeah. yeah, it's a real soft apple. And then, now, the conditions that we subject ourselves to, like this one, it's talking to you. 
Watch out for where you put your fruit. It's going to turn into something bad. Got this one that turned out soft. And then I got this one right here. I figured I would cut it open for you. If you look, there's a big spot right there. I don't know. It's brown and that. I would not eat this apple because it's brown. Like, I don't eat bananas with brown spots. People are like, why? That's when they're good. Not in my book. Now, let's just throw some things into some extreme conditions. Because this apple at one time was good, right? Like, this apple you would have ate. And maybe you're still willing to eat it. And maybe, if, you know what? There's always those people that are like, if you give me a dollar, I'll do it. Like, if you were in high school, you remember that person. Maybe you were that person. I was that person. Like, I'll do it. Like, oh, yeah, you want me to drink a bottle of hot sauce? Hot sauce? Give me $20. I'll do it. Dumbest decision of my life was not worth that guy's last $20. Not worth it at all. But sometimes we have some really good fruit, and we subject it to some really extreme conditions. Clear this. There we go. We'll just let that go. Don't worry about it. I checked it before. I wanted to make sure that like, it didn't flip any breakers or anything like that. So we're just going to let that apple cook for a few minutes. But these apples were subjected to the heat, the cold, the sun, the rain, my dogs, everything. I wouldn't want to eat anything in this bucket. And maybe you're different and you're like, you know what? I'm okay with subpar. I'm okay with secondhand. I'm okay with, you know, like a little mushy apple. I want the goodness of God in my life, right? I don't want, I don't want my fruit looking like this. I hope that thing, I never checked to see if it would microwave, but hopefully it works. We'll find out. I don't know. It's an, I, don't, it's, I found it here at the church, and I found, apparently it's my grandma's. <laughs> Let's read this next scripture. 1 Corinthians 3. And verses 6 through 9, it says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So then neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's co-workers, you are God's field, God's building. Wow. This is what happens when we subject the fruit that is being produced. It doesn't sound good. Like, I need a paper towel. Can you give me a paper towel? <laughs> feel like there's going to be some stuff spraying out. Sounds like it. So we are God's co-workers, right? So what does he say about us? He says we are his co-workers. He says that you are God's field, that you are God's building. God gives the growth, right? God produces fruit. Thanks, I'm going to need that. I feel like it's going to be hot. <laughs> Let's see what we got here. Okay. I didn't even do that bad. You know, maybe some of you would be like, I'd eat that. Hot apple, I guess. It kind of exploded. Now... The true test is how long do you think this will last after that? This one got microwaved last night. This is what it looks like today. What do you think these will look like next week? Rotten? Nasty? I guess we'll find out next week. 
part of part of part of part of the first part of next week's sermon. Looking at the, the fruit. Now, let's let's look at this. God gives you the growth. If you're not a co-worker with God, you're not God's field. I want to be a co-worker with God. So what does that mean? That means I need to submit to a new master. I may have been submitted to myself, to my will, and now I need to be submitted to God's will. I need to be submitted to God's plan and not my plan. One part about knowing yourself is knowing who you're submitted to, who your master is, what, you are, what fruit you're producing, what things are happening in your life. Now, here's something else you need to know about yourself is what fruit is going to be produced in my harvest? Let's look at Galatians 5. It lists two types of fruit, the works of the flesh and the fruit of the spirit. So every one of you is producing something. Hopefully it's good. Let's just go ahead and assume that everything that you produce is good. And that the conditions that you are in are messing up the fruit. So the apples, I would rather have that one than that one. This one has very little value to me. And I think the reason why we see ourselves with very little value is because we look at this bucket. And this is what we remember. Now let's look at Galatians 5, 19. It says, now the works of the flesh are obvious. Just underline that word right there. They are obvious. Sexual immorality, moral, impu Im uh, moral impurity, <coughs> promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, and factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I am warning you about these things, as I warned you before, that those who practice these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Underline that word in your Bible, not inherit. If I practice those, if my fruit looks like this, I will not inherit the kingdom of God. So how does my fruit look like this? I have subjected it to some conditions that produce this. I didn't use what God had given me for something good, and rather it turned to this. Now, if you go back and you look at the children of Israel, God instructs them with the manna. He was like, don't take any for the night. And the very first time, the first thing that they do, they're like, oh, let's store this up because God's not going to provide for us again. And they squirrel away some of the manna. And the next day, it's got all this, like, nasty worms and things crawling in it. It does not take long when you are disobedient to God, when you no longer listen to God, when you follow your will, that you start to produce things that nobody wants to touch, that you don't even like about yourself because it's obvious. Now, let's keep reading. It says in verse 22, but the fruits of the Spirit is all the good things, love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The law is not against such things. Now, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another to envying. Or sorry, not provoking one another, envying 
one another. So when I look at these scriptures, this hit me. In this basket, I've got love. I've got joy. I got peace. I got self-control. I got all those things. That's the fruits of the Spirit. When I'm in step with the Spirit, that's what I got. Love, joy. But how many times do you notice when a person has sin in their life, and maybe this is you, maybe this is some of the digging that needs to happen in your life, you've got some sin in your life that God is trying to work out, and you're not in step with his Spirit. Yes, you're trying to be, but there's some things that are throwing you off. And so you have something obvious like moral impurity. Your love has shifted to moral impurity. Your joy has turned to hatred. Your peace, maybe it's strife. You're struggling with some things in your life because you have allowed the enemy to rule for far too long. An apple will always come from an apple tree. But leave that apple in certain conditions, subject it to something extreme, and you've got something that isn't going to last very long. You see, in this bucket, you've got something that's good for you. It's healthy. It tastes good. The fruits of the Spirit, I would dare to say there's not a single person here that doesn't want some love, joy, peace in their life, some long-suffering. I need some self-control because I... I practice the outbursts of anger all the time. I need self-control. Now, the works of the flesh have a way of corrupting the good fruit that you're producing. Your love turns to sexual immorality. Your joy turns to hatred. Your peace into strife. Your self-control into outbursts of anger and your kindness into jealousy. You start looking at your neighbor or your friend and you start wishing and you're jealous over the things that they have and this, when, I, when this hit me this week, it just blew my mind. I'm like, God gives us something good, and then we subject it to some extreme conditions. And what are the extreme conditions in your life? This is why you need to know you and the things that you experience. Maybe the extreme conditions are your home. Maybe the extreme conditions are the place you work in. But I want to tell you that even though your fruit has been subjected to extreme conditions, some of it can still remain. As you grow in your relationship with God, you learn to handle those extreme conditions. You know how to put on the armor of God, to prepare yourself to go into a place you don't want to go. You could probably take this apple and put it in this bucket, and nobody would ever know that it sat out on my deck for a week in some like 80 and 90 degree temperature. My deck gets hot. Like it burned my feet the other day when I was out there <laughs> putting these apples on it. You could probably put this one in this bucket. Yeah, it's got a little bit of a soft spot, but I think it's still good. You still have good in you. God did not produce love, joy, peace in your life and say, I'm going to leave you in your works of the flesh so that your love and joy converts to something that's perverted, that converts to something that is full of hatred, something that is full of strife and, and envy. That is not what God intends for your life. But the conditions of our life can alter the blessing of God's spirit. 
because we continue to practice the works of the flesh. Yes, we all sin. We all fall short of the glory of God. We all are in need of repentance. Let me show you this next scripture in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17. It says, so faith comes from what is heard and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. What is the gospel? Let's go back to what we were talking about in the beginning. This is the good news. Faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes through the message about Christ. What is the message about Christ? That God chose to wrap himself in flesh, to dwell among you, to hang on a cross, to be tortured for our sins so that I could have redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. So that what I produce, this is what I produce junk. He can change and produce something beautiful in my life. He can produce something great. And what is it it says here? What is so faith comes from what is heard. My prayer today is that what you hear when I preach or whoever preaches should produce faith in you because this is the message of Christ. What you hear in this place today should encourage you and not discourage you. That you don't have to continue to live with this type of fruit in your life. You can go ahead and empty the basket. You don't have to keep it. Go ahead and dump the basket out because God's got a whole new thing for you. He doesn't want you to keep this. He wants you to throw it out. He doesn't care if it looks kind of good. He doesn't care about it. He wants you to get rid of this bucket. That's what repentance is. It's the cleaning up and dumping it out. Now I've got a bucket that is ready for the harvest that God has intended for my life. That's what I want. I want the good things. I've been holding on to the junk for far too long. God's got some goodness for me. So what do we do? Producing a harvest is going to take time. But with God, God will produce another harvest in you. I believe it. But you're going to have to clean out the obvious junk. It's obvious. That's junk. It's obvious we don't want this in our life. It's obvious. Clean it out if it's obvious. Get rid of it if it's obvious. If you think for a moment that God doesn't want it in your life, get rid of it. What's it worth? Do you want to have a relationship and be in communion with him? Or do you want to constantly be stuck in the mirror looking at what's obvious to you? Because... God knows. I see everything that's obvious to me. All of the problems in my life, all of the mental things that go on through my head, all of the past, all of the things that I've done, all of the things that I've seen, I see the obvious of my life. And I know there's not a person in here that doesn't see the obvious in their life. Whether it's looking in the mirror or just self-reflection, you see what's obvious. You know what you need to get rid of. So that you can be a vessel ready to receive the harvest that God has for you. That's why you need to know yourself. Because if you pick up the armor of God and you don't know who you are, the enemy is going to come in and you're going to improperly use the shield of faith. You're going to improperly use the breastplate of righteousness or it's going to fall off because you didn't even put it on right. Because you weren't paying attention to what it is or who you are or the things that you know and you grabbed the wrong size of it. When you look at the story of David... He rejected the armor that Saul had. Why? Because it didn't fit him. 
because he hadn't proven it in battle yet. It was Saul's armor. It was not his armor. God has armor for you. Not my armor. Your armor. I've got my own, and I need to seek God. So I need to know who I am, who God says that I am, the obvious things in my life that I need to clean out. You see, what's obvious to me may not be obvious to you, but as God works on you and changes you, he'll get rid of it, and he'll make it obvious in your life. There's several factors that impact the shelf life of apples. One is the type of apple, the stage of maturity at picking, and how it's handled before properly storing, and how soon they're refrigerated. If I refrigerate these apples, they could last, I believe, I believe it's like four to five months. What? It can last for a long time. If you keep it at around 30 to 32 degrees with 90 to 95% humidity, apple under these storage conditions can last for weeks to months depending on the type of apple. This particular one can last, I think it's like three months, two to three months. Sometimes we come to church, we take that one apple, we go home, right where it goes, put it on for a longer time. And we come back to church the next week, and it don't look a thing like what we put in there. But what if I could take more than just one? What if I could have three or four? What if I had enough to sustain me, sustain me for a week rather than it turning into something like this? Maybe it'll take some time. You've got to sort out the apples, the ones that you want to store. Remove the apples that are bruised, cut, or have signs of decay. You eat larger apples sooner. And you can store the smaller apples longer. If you put them in the right conditions, they'll last a lot longer than what they've been. Now, the conditions, that's what you've got to know. That's on you. You've got to know what's in your life, the people, the friends that are affecting you, the thoughts that are hitting your brain on a regular basis. Your question may be, how do I clean up this mess? How do I get rid of that? It's repentance. It's a turning away. Leave it at the altar. This here, I'm not taking it with me. Repent and turn away. Ask God to help clean you out. God, you see the things in my life. David prayed, and he said, purge me with hyssop. Make me whiter than snow. I, God, purge me. Cleanse me, God. Wash me out. I need to be purged. Ask God to help you get ready for a fresh harvest. And I believe this without a doubt in my mind, that God has a fresh harvest for you, that you don't have to leave this place with all that junk. You can throw it out, leave it, turn away, and never return because that's not what God has intended for you. This bucket right here is full of good things that are good to eat. Here, here, have an apple. Go have an apple. This is good. You know why? This is my bucket of apples. But you know what? 
I can give it to people. Have an apple, Jim. Even if you don't like them, I know you need them. You need your vegetables. Good fiber. <laughs> it's got good things for you. It's got good things for me. And if I will have my bucket full, when I come to church, I'll have something that I can give to you. If you will seek to fill your bucket, you can come to church and you can minister to me. And more than anything, we've got to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I've got to help carry my brothers. And you know what that means? I'm going to give an apple away if I need to. You look like you need one. <laughs> I'm going to do my best to give what God has given me so that you can leave this place feeling lightened from the load because you realized you had some obvious things you needed to get rid of. And so you repent. God loves you. God cares about you. He is not leaving you to reason with yourself in a mirror. You have his blood that changes our lives. The blood of Calvary is what changes every one of us. The old is gone. Behold, all things are new. I was crucified with Christ. If you're struggling with some things in your life, if you're sitting here today and you feel like you've got to get away from the mirror, you've been self-reflecting for so long and all you can see is what's negative, then I want to invite you to come to the front. If you've got some obvious things, I want to tell you repentance is easy. God, forgive me of my sins. And then when he does, whenever you, whenever you repent of it, turn away and don't go back to it. Are you going to mess up? Yes. But I want to be in step with the Spirit. God, help me to be in step with the Spirit. It's a prayer you can pray. You don't have to leave the same you walked in here today. I want to ask you, if you want to join me in prayer, then come to the front. I want to pray with you. I want you to leave encouraged today. You paid the debt.